this, after, uh, this evening, let's turn to Acts 7. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray before we get into this. Father, we thank you for tonight. I thank you for the gathering of the saints. Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is present. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher of the church. So we ask you to teach us. We say we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand what the Spirit is saying to the church. So we thank you tonight for the opportunity. We thank you for a Bible in our own language. We're so grateful, Lord. We thank you that we can meet in a church tonight without persecution. Thank you, Lord. We're grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Acts 7, you know, I know Pastor Jonathan preached uh, for a year from Acts, and if you can get that, that's, that's an outstanding. Uh, he did that, and then he did Ephesians. And I mean, when he does these Wednesday night series, you know, we could, we could really benefit if we would put those in a package or something. But praise the Lord. Uh, so you might hear something you've heard before, but how many know fa- faith comes by what? And what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith doesn't come by having heard. Faith comes by hearing. And really, the, the verbiage of that is hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And I'm thankful that God loves me enough to remind me. You know, aren't you? He, he, he pulls, pulls me up short and says, Brownie, you need to pay attention. Because sometimes we just think we're doing so good. And you know what? God loves us just where we are, but he wants us to do better, right? Just like you want your children. You, you know, you, we raise our children. We just say, give it your best. And they decide they're not going to do their homework. It's okay. Just give it your best. No, we lead and guide them so that they can succeed. Amen. Jesus does the same. Acts 7, uh, let's start at verse 54. Well, I tell you, actually, let's start at 51. I kept telling myself this afternoon, you cannot read all this. Like, stop it. Because I kept backing up. Like, oh, this would be good. Let's do this. (laughs) Okay, 51. Now, this is Stephen. And you know he was the first martyr. We know about Stephen. So Stephen is, is uh, speaking to the, the men and, uh, that are gathered there to do him harm. And he said, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Now we look at that and we say, boy, yep, that's what they were doing. But what we have to look at, we have to examine our own self of the times we resist the Holy Spirit. Can you judge your own self? I can judge myself, and I can tell you there's times I've resisted. The Holy Spirit's trying to move me this way, and I'm just not wanting to go that way. And that is being stiff-necked. That's, that means I'm I, I just, I'm not, stiff-necked people, if you've ever, my mother had a disease called rye, rye syndrome, I think it was. 
Anyway, it made her neck just where she couldn't move her neck. And so she would have to turn her whole body. Now, she didn't have it all early. I mean, it just was for a season. But she, she couldn't turn her neck. Well, that's what stiff-necked people are. They, they're unaware of what's going around. They, they can't see because they're stiff-necked. He said that you're stiff-necked. And you're uncircumcised in your heart. Remember, in the new covenant, we're not required to be circumcised in the flesh, but to be circumcised in our heart. That means to cut away that which is not of God, that which is getting in the way, that which would hinder us. Amen? Our hearts need to be circumcised. So he said they're uncircumcised in heart and ears and are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. They... They received the law. These are the people that got the laws of God in a tablet. God's finger wrote it on a stone tablet. Moses comes down. He sees they've made a golden calf. Aaron leading the bunch and saying, I don't know how that happened. (laughs) You know, those golden calves, they just appear. I don't know. And Moses loses it. Every time I read that, I think, God's finger wrote that. (laughs) If you had a letter, I mean, we do have a letter from God, but if you had a letter that was literally written with his finger, I mean, would you get mad at somebody go, (laughs) that's a little anger problem, isn't it? (laughs) But God's gracious. He, you know, he did it again. And so these people resisted that. So what happens? 54 says, now when they heard this, they heard Stephen calling them out, they were cut to the quick. Now, earlier in Acts, remember Pastor Jonathan taught us on this several times when it would say they were cut to the quick, it was, or their hearts were pierced. That was a good thing, right? It pierced their hearts. In other words, it touched them in their inner man. But this is not good. They were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. That would have been a sight. But, I love this. What's it say about Stephen? But Stephen being full, full. You know, God's a God of fullness. We're to be, the Bible says, be full of the Spirit. Right? Right? We're not supposed to be just, you know, a quarter tank. We're supposed to be full. God's a God of fullness. That's why God wants to fill the church. He wants to fill your inner man. He wants to fill every part of your life. He's a God of fullness. And so (laughs) they did not want to be full of the Holy Spirit, but Stephen was. He gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. Jonathan was telling me last night, well, he told me this early this morning of the things that happened last night, but 
He said the glory came, and it was so thick, it was like you couldn't see because it was so thick. And, uh, and then my other two, they, uh, they saw just angels and different things. Because when you get in the glory, you know, I, we've had it happen. Last year at the minister's conference, it came in. You know, it comes. But you can't live there in that, but you can live in the glory. It doesn't have to be a visible glory. You can live in the glory because the glory lives in us. I'm a carrier of the glory. You're a carrier of the glory. Amen? So that's why we have to keep ourselves pure. That's why we have to keep ourselves holy. That's why we have to be aware of what we do. Does it bring glory to the Lord? Because we're a carrier of the glory. So he says, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I know you've heard so many sermons on this, right? Jesus, who the Bible says he sat down. You know, when, when it was finished, when his blood had been sprinkled on the mercy seat, when he came back to earth and then he, he was with his disciples for 40 days and then, you know, he taught them. He got them equipped to be ready. He gave them those last instructions out of Mark 16, what they were to do, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he told them all this stuff, you know, and you'll speak in, in uh, new tongues. You'll cast out devils. You'll lay hands on the sick and, you shall and they shall recover. Those are things he did. But then it says he went back up and it says he sat down. Because when you're finished, you sit down. Right? right. Sitting down denotes I'm finished and it denotes authority. Right? When you, when you go in a courtroom... The one person that is not going to be standing up, who's that going to be? The judge sits because that's the highest authority. So he saw Jesus standing up. I just can just imagine it. Can't you? He was like, yes. I think Jesus is cheering us. I don't think. I know he's cheering us on. I think he stands up for more than just Stephen. I think there's many that he has stood up for. I think that, that uh, there are the great cloud of witnesses. In fact, I'm very aware, and I can't go into it, but there were things happening in the heavenlies this week that were heaven and earth were coming together of things I've already experienced before, but it happened again this week, and I was very aware that God was allowing heaven to merge with the things that was happening. You know what I'm talking about. And so uh, this, is what, this is what Jesus is doing when he sees Stephen. He sees, you see, Jesus pays no attention to those people that are gnashing their teeth. Right, that's right. Do, do you understand that? Yes. Stephen didn't pay attention to him. Right. No. And Jesus didn't pay attention to him. Now, if Stephen didn't pay attention to him and Jesus didn't pay attention to him, why are we paying attention to them? Give them no place. The Bible says, give the devil no place. I am up to here hearing, hearing you know, 
about what the devil's doing. And did you know about these people? They're praying this over us. and da, da, They're casting spells. Da, 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 da. Listen, we have lived, the bounces have lived for, <clears throat> let's see, let me see, 40 years, 40 plus years up here. I can't tell you how many medicine men have come to us and said, we have tried to do all kinds of spells on you, and they never work. But you know, we never, Tina's been with us the whole time. We have never gone and asked for prayer because somebody's doing witchcraft on us. You know why? Because the greater one's in me. And I give him no place. I'm not going to give him any glory. We didn't, we never even, we were aware people would come and say, do you know what they're doing? You know, and, and listen, that, let me just tell you, those are real things. I'm, those are not pretend. Those are real things. We had one guy that had a porcupine quill that, that someone had a, a doll, and Dorothy would know more about but had a doll, and they had taken a porcupine quill and put it in the doll, and he was miles away, and he got this pain. It's a Christian man in Onion Lake. He got this pain, and he put his hand in his mouth to see, and there, he pulled out a porcupine quill. Those things are not pretend. So we're not pretending, oh, there's no witchcraft. There is. But the greater one lives in us. So I give him no place. Stephen gave him no place. Stephen, listen, it's one thing to say, okay, I don't give him any place. It's another thing to be put, and you're getting ready to get burned. You're getting ready to be stoned. You're getting ready to die. Are you going to give him no place? Some of the greatest stories that you read are the martyr stories. And I remember one about, it was in uh, World War II, and the Christian missionaries over in Japan, they brought them into this intern camp, and, uh, and they, they brought all the children out and said, if you will, and of course in their language, but if you will denounce Jesus, you'll live. You know what those kids started doing? Just praising the Lord. Just praising the Lord. They killed every one of them. Same thing happened uh, two or three years ago. I was preaching in Prince George. Liberty and Matthew are very close to a bishop that's in Iraq. And ISIS had come in. And because Liberty's church had given bracelets to all the children, Jesus bracelets, ISIS found all the kids that had those bracelets and killed every one of them. I wept and I wept. But those kids weren't afraid to die. They had a better reality than we do. See, the Bible says the last thing to be conquered is the fear of death. You better conquer it now. I've conquered it. I am not afraid to die. I, I don't prefer to die with the, slow, but, you know... I'll go. I'm not afraid of death. But there was a time I was. And I, God just pointed it out to me. And I remember telling David. David said to me, Brownie, are you ready to be a martyr? We were going into some places where, as you know, we were shot at by rebels, point blank. And nothing hit us. 
and then they saw something and ran back into the jungle, which I, I'm, I'm just believing they're going to be in one of our crusades and tell me what they saw, but I know what it was. But anyway, David said to me, Brown, are you ready to be a martyr? And you know what? I, I put my head down and I had to say, because I knew David was. I, I thought David was looking for a way to be a martyr. Like, <laughs> please, Jesus, let me be a martyr. And I married him. So it's like, he said, Brown, are you ready to be a martyr? And I said, mm-mm. You be honest. Nope, not. And he said, you need to get ready, Brownie. Well, you know what? I had to find out why aren't I ready? And it was just the fear of death. Mm-hmm. So you get through that. No, death has no sting. That's right. And now that I have had those experiences where, you know, of literally leaving my body and going into heaven. I've had those experiences, so I actually know that, but I knew that before those ever happened because I realized it's no different than walking into the next room. It's wonderful. Wonderful. And yet, we, you know, we, we preach all this time to get people to go to heaven, and then when somebody goes to heaven, we act like it's the worst thing that could ever happen. <laughs> right? we got to get our mind rewired. Amen? It doesn't mean you don't miss them. It doesn't mean you don't, don't uh, love them. See, society says if we don't just wail and grieve and you know, wear black for a year, we didn't love them. That's not true. My David is more alive than I am. Hallelujah. He said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears. <laughs> These are grown people. <laughs> ah! And rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. You know who that was? Saul was who became the apostle Paul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Notice he didn't cry to them to stop. That's a greater reward. That's why Paul said, Paul was, he said, I'm stuck between. Like, for me to die is gain. But for your sake, I'll hang around a little bit longer. That's what you do. Amen? You just do, do what you got to do. They went on stoning Jesus and he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. Don't you love how the word says what we do? Didn't say he died. Now, if there were a coroner there, They would have pronounced him dead. But in the Lord, the Bible says we go asleep in the Lord. Remember when Jairus' daughter, uh, you know, they came and told Jairus, don't bother the master anymore, your daughter's dead. Listen, she was dead. But Jesus said, don't worry, only believe. And then when he got through ministering what he was doing, he went, to J. Iris's house, and he said, she's only sleeping. 
we had a we had a children's church worker one time, and I happened to be listening. I, my kids were little, and I went down for something, and I heard, and she said, "You know, Jay Iris's daughter was never dead; she was just asleep." And I went, "Uh, <laughs> I wanted to go interrupt and go." That's not true, but I could probably depend on Jonathan to correct the teacher in those days. So I left it. No. <laughs> we had to teach Jonathan. He couldn't keep correcting teachers. Uh, but she was dead in the natural sense. Her body, her spirit had left her body. But in the, in the Lord, we just go to sleep. Do you, do you ever get down on your bed and you go, oh, I'm so scared to go to sleep? Well, some people do. They, that's some, but normally we don't do that because it's not, it's not a fearful thing. I don't know why we're spending a little time on that. Maybe you need to hear that. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. I imagine that was not the apostles, and that was not the followers. Those were probably some of the people that had a hand in it. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women he would put them in prison. See, Saul was the terrorist of his day. But just as the terrorists today, they say they're doing it in the name of their God. And listen, they really believe that. They probably believe it better than a lot of Christians believe God. You understand? They give 25% of their, their income goes. We, God requires of us to give 10% of our tithe and then, then give out over that. But they're better givers. They pray more than most Christians. I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you to be a Muslim. But what I'm saying is Paul thought he was doing God's work. That's how deception Sneaks in. A spirit, a religious spirit can come in. A lying devil. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay, so it says, therefore, verse 4. Okay, this is Bible study night. When you see therefore, you see what it's there for. So you have to go back up to the one before it. Because he was doing that, Saul was doing that. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. I love that. They weren't complaining that they just had to leave their house and their home and everything they owned. I'm telling you, some people just complain just because the basement gets flooded. These people left everything and their lives were at risk. And what did they do? They started preaching. Glory to God. Some devout, let's see, excuse me. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. 
Much rejoicing. Much rejoicing. We see in these scriptures that we just read that Stephen was talking to that group of religious people and he's telling them that you, you know, you have resisted the Holy Spirit. Well, we find out later in Ephesians, Paul writes that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I think we're not near as aware of the Holy Spirit as we should be. I think we take it pretty much for granted. I think probably 80 plus percent of the church of the body of Christ is quite unaware of anything about the Holy Spirit. But I think those of us who know it are filled with the Spirit, I think we go around most of the time not thinking a lot about it, not being aware of it. And I think we have to change that because God wants to do in this church and in this city, he wants to do what he wants to do everywhere. He wants an awakening in the spirit. And the only way that will come is if you and I decide I'm hungry for it. That means uh, we might have late meetings. That means we might have extended meetings. That means, you know, we might not can have our kids in every sports. And you guys are Wednesday night people, so, you know, woohoo! You'll probably be right there. Praise the Lord. But it takes, it takes a desire. You can sing all you want. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We can sing that all we want. But let the sermon go 30 minutes late, and all of a sudden, Holy Spirit's not so welcome. Not so welcome. I'm not getting on your case. I'm saying I am so ready. It's so in me. I could run around the church right now that I am so hungry, so expectant of what God wants to do in my life and in your life, in this church, in our city. Amen? It's a wonderful thing God's got planned. So let's go on. It said in verse 6, it said that they gave attention to what he was saying. You know, it's really important that we pay attention when the word's being preached or taught. But how about sometimes, you know, your mind wanders off. Anybody got wandering minds sometimes? You know, I have planned meals. I have planned wardrobes. I have figured out a travel uh, itinerary during a great sermon. Why? I wasn't disciplining. Disciplining. That's all, folks. I wasn't disciplined in my mind. And I'm telling you what happens is I catch myself and I make myself, I go, okay, you can't do that. You can't do that. Don't go there. That's why, you know, some people say, you know, well, if the preacher would preach better, you know, things would happen. But really, if you look at the scripture, it's more of the, what the hearers do than what the preacher does. Not taking anything off the preachers because we have to answer to God and we have to give an account for your souls. That's a pretty heavy thing. But 
It, you know, even Jesus had them all leave him at one time, didn't he? He had 500 people with him, and then he had a meeting, and they all left. Yeah. Boy, that's a church split. That's a church exodus. Except for his disciples, those wonderful staff that he had, you know. And he says to them, you want to leave? And what did they say? They didn't say, oh, we'd never leave you, Jesus. Where would we go? <laughs> if there's another church in town, we'd be there. <laughs> Not very encouraging. But you don't see Jesus weeping and crying and taking the blame for that. You got to know if you're responsible. If you're responsible, take the blame. Get right with God because that all of us are guilty at certain times, right? We're guilty of what we say. We're guilty of what we, how we receive something. So we just take responsibility. But I think it's very good that he said they gave attention to what he was saying. The way we determine to hear what God is saying is what will we determine how the Spirit moves. They heard and saw the signs which he was performing. They heard and saw. Now, how do you hear signs being performed? Well, when you cast out demons, many times there's, there's growling, screaming, different things. Uh, we, you know, we've had many people that have had their deaf ears open. Well, well, we let them walk over there, and then we start talking. Can you hear me? And so then they yell when they hear you because they, you know, they, their ears are open. That's wonderful. So I don't know, but I, knew, I know that it says they heard the signs he was performing, and they saw. It said demons were cast out and the lame were healed. See, that's what church is supposed to be, but that's not just church. That's what we should do out there because we're not going to get all these people in here. This is how a Christian lives. This is us. And so instead of just, oh, if, you know, if certain so-and-so would come to our city, we would have a great revival. The revival starts in me. The revival starts in you. The Bible says one can put 1,000 to fly, two can put 10,000 to fly. So why am I waiting to brother so-and-so and bless brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? Bless them, and they are doing great works. This is not coming against them, but it's saying most of the charismatic church today is waiting for some great preacher to come, and then we're going to have a great meeting. If we would come with the expectancy... Now, we're going to have to be honest here, okay? I'm honest about my own self. You be honest with yourself. <clears throat> if, uh, for instance, when Brother Jerry Savelle has come, yes. the expectancy is so high that people line up for hours. We pack them in because Brother Jerry's going to come. If we had that same expectancy... Every time we had a service, the very things that God does in those special meetings would be normal. God wants us to live with supernatural normal. Amen? But how many of us 
Saturday night, you know, the Bounds family, and, and I'm not bragging, on I'm just telling you how we do it, and it might help you, but if you ask us to come out or do something on Saturday night, people who know us, we just don't. Like, it's got to be something really, like something, you know, this is something real big or something. And if we do a wedding on Saturday, we usually just stay for just a little bit and go. You know why? Because we cannot be ready to flow in the anointing if we've been with people till all hours, or if we've been watching television or watching movies. We have to prepare. And when we were raising our children, when David would go to preach in Loon Lake on Thursday, uh, David and I always fasted before we preached. And so uh, when the kids were little, I would fast and I'd make something for them. But it became where, okay, now we're old enough. We, this, we would always pray, but this is the responsibility that we have. We don't go, but we stay, and we have to take care of the stuff. Remember, when David went back, he said, the ones that stay with the stuff get the same reward, yes. right, than the ones that went off to battle. Well, there's, there's a time that you have to stay with the stuff. Amen. And it's not the most fun time. It's not, you, you know, you hear of all these things, you go, I wish I was there. But it's your responsibility. And so... I'm just saying that many times we don't take seriously how to be prepared. You know, I, I remember when I was the leader of the praise and worship team, you know, I would say, you guys, you can't just not practice all week, not spend time with the Lord, and then get up on the stage, come in late, you know, your hair's still wet from your shower, you come in late and expect to be anointed. I mean, God's gracious. Thank you, Jesus. He's merciful. And he'll let us get by with it for a while. He really will. Because he desires for the anointing to be here in the service more. And I'm talking about preachers. I'm talking about ushers. I'm talking about teachers downstairs. I'm talking about everybody. Not just the praise. I'm using them as an example. But it should be all of us should take time and... Uh, you know, really seek the Lord and pray for the services. And then we, we would see much more of the move of the Spirit because we've already prepared the place. Right. John the Baptist says, I go to prepare a place for you. No, Jesus said that. <laughs> uh, John the Baptist came to prepare the way of the Lord, right? right? And so that's what we as ministries of helps are responsible to do. We prepare the way of the Lord. So that when the praise team comes out, they don't have to spend the first song getting us to be smiling or getting us to clap our hands. Right? We enter. As soon as they come out, we're ready. And I don't have a choice. I got a grandson that if I'm still just doing something, he'll grab me. Time to praise. You you know, stand up, Mimi. It's time. Well, good for him because he knows They come out, we're ready. Praise the Lord. Let's go on. See if we can get a little past here. Now, there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. 
And they all, from smaller to great, smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. Boy, do we see that in our day today. Anybody that wants to can get a YouTube channel and preach whatever they, their new revelation is. And people will just listen because they, here's the reason. This is what I want to get to. Why did that happen? Why did those people not realize he was not the great power of God? Why? He was doing magic tricks, but there is a gift of the Spirit that the Lord really uh, put a double anointing on, on David and I in 1988 for discerning of spirits. You know what the church is lacking today? Oh, they're lacking a lot, but if we could just get everybody to walk in discerning of spirits... So that when some, I'm telling you, it's so rampant in Lloydminster, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, the Lord told me. Number one, if someone says the Lord told them, then see if it lines up with the word of God. That's your first thing. Second of all, if they're telling you that the Lord told them to tell you you're supposed to do something, then you say, I haven't heard that, but I'll, you know, it doesn't mean it's not the Lord, but you don't work, you don't go there until you get a confirmation from God. Because the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. But hook into the gift, the spiritual gift of discerning of spirits. I just kind of studied that a little bit uh, just for this meeting tonight, but Discerning, and you read in other translations, and it can mean judging or judgment. We judge, and the Bible talks about judging spirits, right? Talks about that. Testing the spirits, First John 4, 3 and 4 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. <laughs> I'm going to read this to you, and I'll tell you a story. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We're supposed to test the spirits. Because many false prophets, there are so many false prophets in these last days because this is what God said would happen, and it is happening. But let me tell you, there's a lot of right prophets too. Let me just be sure that you know that. And God God has put a, you know, your pastor here, he might, I'm just going to tell you that he doesn't say that he might not say the Lord said. But if you, are a, if you have the gift of discerning of spirit, he preaches prophetically. Right. And, and if you know that, you, you know, it's like, oh. So you, you listen. We should always listen whether that's the way or not, whatever's happening. But I'm telling you that God has people speaking into our lives and they don't have to say, the Lord says or the Lord told me. You know, uh, a man named Lester Sumrall, one of the, one, I mean, uh, oh man, he was a tough dude. He, he just cast out devils all over the world and he just had no, no use for just silliness. 
But he said something when I was just a baby Christian because in my town, especially women's groups were having meetings and they were always saying, you know, the Lord told me this, the Lord showed me this, this, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't coming to pass. It's one thing if they have it and then it comes to pass. But in the Old Testament, the Bible says if, if they say, I said, I never said it. And they got stoned. We're, thank God we're under mercy and grace. But anyway, uh, Brother Summer, I was so concerned. I was a baby Christian and I was like, what is this? I'm so tired of people prophesying over me and it's never God. And oh, Anybody been in that position before? Anyway. He said, I heard him say this. He said, you know, he said, it's better to say, instead of saying the Lord says, perhaps try this. Because I'd gotten where I was, I was almost afraid to say God said. Because I didn't want it to be wrong. I didn't, I didn't want to say God said. and I mean, I thought God said. But he said, do it like this. Say, I perceive in my spirit, da-da-da-da-da. You see what that says? That takes, that takes the glory off of you, but it puts the responsibility on you. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right? Because the glory is supposed to go to him. So I don't need to tag everything I say to you tonight, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Even if it was the Lord, I, can, I don't need to tag that. Amen? So, this is what we need to see here is that the magician had all these people fooled because they didn't know anything about discerning of spirits. And today, it is so easy to hear live stream every church. I mean, you just go and you can hear everybody preaching. That's a good thing because the gospel's getting out. That's a good thing. I am not criticizing that. But let me tell you that you need to ask God. Doesn't God talk to you? The Holy Spirit talks to us. Can't we hear God and say, God, do you want me to listen to this? Oh, people send me, you know, different, like, you've got to listen to this. You know, I, I haven't, not so much now, but used to, they'd send these cassette tapes. And I just felt obligated that I was supposed to listen to them if someone sent them. And I remember being back there working one day, and I was listening. This guy's preaching this crazy doctrine. And the, the pe- person that sent it to me said, you're going to love this. This guy's got revelation nobody else has. <laughs> and I went, oh. So I put it in, and it was like, this is crazy. So I walked in here and said to David, David, this guy says such and such and such. One of the things the guy said, you'll never have to pray again. Don't ever pray again. Because oh, wow. if you pray again, you're not believing. Now, we know there's, there are, I mean, I'm not going into it, but that's going in the ditch on something. There is a truth to part of that. But that's not, he, he was saying, once you're born again, you'll never have to pray another day in your life. No. <laughs> but see, I thought I had to listen to it because somebody sent it to me. I was a good girl. You got to listen. And my husband said, if you do not throw that in the trash right now, I'm going to do it. I said, but they sent it, David. He went, throw it in the trash. I said, well, what if they send more? And they sent more, and I'd throw, I'd, I'd 
contact them, said, don't send us anymore. And they said, you and David just need to, be, you just need to get this revelation. You're not, you don't know what God's saying, da-da-da-da. <laughs> but see, you are responsible. Quit blaming everybody else. Don't blame your pastor. Don't blame somebody else. You have the Holy Ghost in you. And he says that he will lead and guide us into what? All truth. So I'm a lazy Christian if I just let somebody tell me this is what God says and I don't go check it up in the book. Right? I'm a lazy Christian if someone prophesies something to me and I don't judge it. That's being lazy. Now, God, another thing, let me say about that, and I didn't intend to go all those ways, but another thing about it is people have to gain the right to speak into your life. Is that right? Not everybody has a right to tell you what God's saying. You do not have to listen to someone that has no right. They don't have any relationship with you or they have a bad relationship with you but they don't have any spiritual authority in your life or you know you I don't know how to explain it maybe Tina might help me here but you have to have you don't open your gates for everybody that wants to come in or every doctrine that wants to come in and just and don't ever say well I'm you know it's okay I'm going to go over and fellowship with these people and they're preaching a doctrine you know is not God well I just want to fellowship with them well you are being deceived don't do that you know the devil's just having a heyday we don't put ourselves under wrong doctrine and how are we going to know if it's wrong? Number one, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you need to get born again. Get the Holy Spirit. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Speak in tongues. You need those things. Amen? So we get the Holy Spirit. We get full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Then we have to trust who God puts over us spiritually. If you can't trust them, then that might be your issue. You know, it might be something you're dealing with. That's okay. You know, it's, you work through it. But if you can't come to that part where I trust him. See, my son is now my pastor. And I see my son yesterday being called up out of the blue, no, no warning. He's sitting there, and Brother Tracy says, Jonathan, come up here. Gives him the mic and tells him, start. And he expounds on the word that is God has been saying. Like he just, no notes, no Bible. He just sits, I mean, I was going, that's my pastor. <laughs> See, I didn't say that's my, my boy. I did that later. But <laughs> at that moment, because I can trust him with my spirit. I can trust him with my soul. And I'm not saying that because he's my boy. I'm, I would say that whoever that I was submitted to as a pastor. And, and again, it's not submission if it, you only do it when you like it. <laughs> Some people say, oh, I'm submitted, and then you tell them to do something, and they don't want to do it. They're not submitted. 
And that is a challenge for every one of us. If you haven't been challenged on that, you will be challenged on it. I mean, I stood up and said, I am not unsubmissive. <laughs> that right there was unsubmissive. But I thought, boy, I didn't like being told, you are rebellious. I am not rebellious. And I stop out. Well, duh. <laughs> Nobody likes to be told you're rebellious. But you know what? Didn't take me but about three steps to say, yep. I turn around and go back and say, you're right. I'm rebellious. I'm not submitting. I repent. I'll do better. Did it feel good to be better, do better? Not that, that point it didn't. But it's, you know, it's the right thing. You do the right thing because it's the right thing. Amen. I got I to gotta finish this up. So it says, but you know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, there's, my mother would take this scripture and say, every, every one that says Jesus is Lord is of, you know, is of God. <laughs> so she was convinced a lot of people were of God. And my mother was a great prayer warrior and taught prayer, intercessory prayer, conferences and stuff. Great woman of prayer. But I remember, <laughs> this was years before, I was sitting at the kitchen table with her and she said, you know, so-and-so, uh, they're a Christian. I said, Mama, they're not a Christian. She said, yes. I heard them say, Jesus is Lord. I heard them say that. And I said, Mama, I've heard parrots say, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> she got so mad. <laughs> it's true. I, had her, I heard a trained parrot say that so it's not just saying it and that's what we want we want people to have radical salvations amen we don't want people just to pray the prayer so that we get another number listen quit keeping count it's not our count it's his count you know but I mean, it's, if we're doing it, I'll keep your count. But it's not, I mean, look at the scripture. It says it's not I. It's, it's the Father working through me. That's what Jesus said. Jesus should, should, could have given a great report, couldn't he? Yeah, he could. But the thing is, our, it's our heart. It's all about our heart. This is all about what I'm talking to you tonight. I want you to see the heart of Stephen. I want you to see the heart of the people that listened to wrong teaching. It was really antichrist teaching. And we're, we have a lot of that, and, and, you know, more so in these last days because the antichrist is going to come. Could be on the earth right now. I don't know that. Uh, I have an opinion, but it's just an opinion. So you don't teach your opinions. But what I want you to do is have a desire to be like Stephen. Because he still at the end said, don't hold this against them. He prayed the same prayer that Jesus prayed. And you've heard me tell that story when I was with Jonathan and Matthew at the ski hill. And, and that was, they both had, we started talking about that scripture. And we were talking about what, how could you do that? Like, and when you do something like that, God just gives you an opportunity 
and it wasn't but an hour and a half later when I'm in the chateau and this woman for no, I mean, it, tell me it's a demon. But anyway, she comes for no reason and just starts blasting Tia and I, just telling us how terrible we are. You know, we don't know this woman. She's just blasting us. Just like, and so I'm just looking at her like, hmm. And Tia had never come, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older in the things. And it's like, and so I, she walks away, and I said to Tia, don't hold it against her. Forgive her. She doesn't know what she's doing. I was so glad we talked about that that morning. But this woman came back three times, literally bringing people, just finding people coming. Come here, come here, come here. Look at these two. And just would say, horrible. Tell me that's not demonic. That was just a demonic. And I was saying, you hold. I mean, I was rebuking the devil the whole time under my my breath but it, I was so glad that breakfast had been on that scripture forgive them for they know not what they do so that I left that ski hill that day I forgive her the devil was just using her God you know get, get somebody in her she's probably a hurting woman somebody's hurt her hurt people hurt people by the way amen so we see there that we're supposed to test the spirits, and I'm not going to finish all this, but what happens is Simon goes to Peter. Peter's come down to help. And Simon the magician goes to him, and he wants to buy the power. Yes. Let me tell you, today there's the same spirit doing that. If they get the right marketing tools, you're in marketing, you know... I mean, I was in marketing for years. We know that we can take just about anybody and we can get their book on, on New York's top 10 list. You know, we know that we can get them on television. There's, you can market. Again, I'm not being critical of people who are on. I'm not saying everybody's like that. But there are some. Again... Use your Holy Spirit that God gave you. He said he's a teacher. I'm telling you, I'm proclaiming it, but I can't teach you what the Holy Spirit can teach you. Right? I can teach you what I know. I can teach you what the Word says, but you need the Holy Spirit so that when you walk in and you're very aware, something goes... You know, I, I sometimes use the thing, red flags, red flags. <laughs> and then so, someone said to me, well, what are the red flags? I don't know. I, you know, sometimes you don't know. No. I can't tell you what it is, but I got red flags. Yeah. I know, okay, that's just a red flag. And you know, sometimes the Lord don't, doesn't tell us because it's none of our business. Yeah. Aren't you glad that he doesn't just go tell on us to everybody? Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> Y'all wouldn't like me at all if he told you all about me. But I'm so glad he's, he loves us enough to love covers, you know? Yeah. Love covers. Unlike Noah's family, love covers a multitude of sin. But be aware. I want you tonight, I, I hope I got it across. The thing I wanted you to understand is let's be like Stephen. Let's 
Let's do those signs and wonders. He, even though they were stiff-necked, even though they came against him, he had a crowd. Sometimes we've had people that are sitting in the crowd and they're scowling at you. I mean, you know, we've had that before. And, and the Proverbs talks about the scowler, the scoffer. We've had that. But you know what? He had that, but what did he do? He just did the works of Jesus. He just did the works. You know, you're just responsible to do what the Father says to do. You're just responsible to do what God says. You're not responsible to do what everybody thinks you ought to do. Now, again, if someone has authority in your life and they come to you to to correct you, that's scriptural. But not everybody has a right to correct me or you. Not everybody has that right. Okay? So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.